Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and a Bird Show, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Have you written your resolutions yet? You know, you asked me this last year, and I'm going to give you the same answer I gave you last year. Which is? No, because they don't bother with them. If I did, they would have been broken already. It's like 10 hours into the new year, and you would have already broken all of your resolutions. Then you are not writing good resolutions. My point exactly. (laughs) Do you have goals, plans for this upcoming year? It's fresh. It's new. It hasn't been marred yet by failure and death as what is seems to mark all of 2016 based on 2016 i think my goal is just to survive 2017 possibly survive 2017 without killing somebody well that's good since you've made it 44 years without killing anyone only four years 44 oh okay (laughs) listen to the words as they come out of my mouth maybe the words should come out properly used to could (laughs) what was that that was like three weeks ago and you're still on it It, problem is you are in constant rewind it works no it's not anyway so we hope you all enjoyed our vacation (laughs) or at least your vacation from us no if they enjoyed their vacation from us then they'd stop listening Okay. We hope that they missed us terribly as much as we missed them. Okay, you can go that route too. Now we've got both sides of the, the coin covered. This is why people write in constantly and tell me how much more they like me than you. To that email address we haven't set up yet. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the emails I receive daily that say, you are our favorite. I see. So let's actually talk. There was some stuff. You know, it's the the nice thing, even though this is the holidays, you take a week off, stuff gets to pile up, and you have things to talk about. See, there's the strategy there's here. Method to your madness. There's strategy here. The the first thing actually is a little IndyCar news. This is my resolution for the 2017 year. To learn something about IndyCar. To learn more. To recognize more than just Max Chilton and Alexander Rossi on the grid. Possibly. I recognized uh, Juan Pablo as he was trying to run me over in his scooter. No, you didn't recognize him. I recognized him as I pushed you out of the way. <laughs> thought you were pushing me in front of him. No, I was actually getting you out of Juan Pablo's way. Since he didn't care. Yeah. I can recognize Scott Dixon. Okay. We'll, we'll put that to the test later this year. I'm sure. Well, I can recognize him in his car. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> see, now this year we don't know. Because as you're. Yeah, car. he's not going to be a Target car, which means he's not going to wear the jumpsuit with the Target name tag that says Scott. See, that's going to also be a problem. <laughs> see, also other problems. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, one of your favorite IndyCar drivers. And the man I intend to stock this year. Okay. I'm kidding. Totally kidding. But Max Chilton has been signed for a second IndyCar season with the Ganassi team. Yay! So, uh, yeah, you'll be able to keep an eye out for him next year. Or this Excellent. year. It is this year now. It is this year. But, you know, we like to, we prefer to talk about Formula One. We know Formula One better. Right. We've got news from Formula One. First comes, and I don't know how credible this is yet. There's been a lot of reaction to it, but I do not know how credible it is because it came from the Telegraph. Okay. (laughs) I've gotten decent news from the Telegraph. It's not the Daily Mail. No, it's not the Daily Mail. Um, But according to actually, and it was in the business section, not the sports section. But according to the business section of the Telegraph, Liberty Media is planning to introduce a spending cap in Formula One. Oh, Formula One's talked about a spending cap for four. It never actually ever happens. Well, there was a plan back in 2009 to introduce a 40 million pound limit that had caused others to um, threaten to quit, you know, like Ferrari and Red Bull. There, Like you said, there have been other talks, but somebody, just unnamed source, who is close to the situation, we don't know what that means. We don't know who that is. But an unnamed source says that um, 
it makes no sense to have teams spending the better part of $400 million. That money is not doing anything good for fans. It is just wasted on competing on technology that has not been driven by logic and has created a two-class society in terms of what is spent on teams. You should have an opportunity for the underdog to win. Now, we've had France Toast and, and others come back and say, this isn't going to work. We've had others say, hey, it's a great idea. We should do this, which is about normal for Formula One. There's, I think half of that statement is, is valid and good, and the other pa- half is kind of pointless. That it's a two-class system? Well, that's valid, and that's true. It is a two-class system, and... You know, you should have an opportunity for an underdog to win. I I agree with that. Mm -hmm. However, the whole thing of that the money that is being spent by the teams, even if it is the better part of $400 million, that it's not doing anything good for the fans and just wasted on competing on technology, you know, that's a big chunk of what Formula One is, is competing on technology and trying to be – the pinnacle of everything and efficiency and competitiveness and all the various bits of autosport. That's all p- part of autosport and Formula One. If we wanted low tech, we'd be watching the sprint cars on the mud track. The thing is, very simple. Mm-hmm. To be the pinnacle of motorsport, you are competing on technology. Yes. There is no way around that. And the better that they compete, the better it is for the fans. Mm-hmm. The 400 million pounds that are being spent are never spent in terms of the fans. It's spent to make the best car with the thought of trickle-down theory, the best car will make the best experience for the racetrack. What is happening is that you've got disparity in what the best car is, so there's nobody that gets to go to the track has the opportunity to say, an underdog has the potential of winning. They line up on the grid and all cars are not equal. But the sport itself is not designed to have all cars be equal. If you want all cars to be equal and then challenge it on a driver-by-driver basis, go to IndyCar. Mm-hmm. But it's it, a different sport entirely. But the other issue is, you said it, the best car. It shouldn't be the best car. It should be the best cars. Explain your nuanced difference of an S, please. Because if it's just the best car, you end up with what we've had the last couple of years. Mercedes has the best car. If it's the best cars, you have competition. Because now Ferrari has also designed a car that is competitive with the Mercedes and the Red Bull and the Renault. And you actually have the competition. It doesn't necessarily mean they're all bringing the same car, but it does mean that they're building their cars to the same performance standard. While I see the vast disparity of dollars spent to develop a car as being somewhat of an issue, Mm -hmm. I know for a fact the minute you start to say, well, we're going to limit this down to what a manner or a Sauber could afford to be able to develop the same car or the same performance level car, you've got twofold problem. One, you're going to have the big boys go, if I can't dominate, I'm leaving. And that's that's what that's all about. That's why they spend the money they, they want to spend. They want their cars to come out on top all the time, and they're willing to spend the money to make sure yeah. that they're in that spot. You can't have, and I hate to quote Bernie on this, you can't have a Formula One without some of these big boys. And I'm not questioning that either. But the other thing that you do is you cease to be able to label yourself as the pinnacle of motorsport. Because the minute you put a cap on the amount of money that can be spent, you are no longer at the top end of the tech. Well, You can't exceed the tech because you can't develop because you're capped. That's where I don't know what the rules are for WEC. 
and I don't completely there may be some caps there I don't know I mean they have divided stuff into classes and not every LMP class car is created equal and is competing on the same footing mm -hmm. because of the way they divide things up there so there there may be ways to work it I don't know just throwing it out there. So moving on. Mm -hmm. So last year, and, and I don't know if you consider this successful or not, but last year we had the Red Bull Tag Hoyer deal, mm -hmm. where, as you'll recall, Red Bulls were not actually running Renault engines, even though they were Renault engines, but they were running Tag Hoyer badged engines. Correct. Again, I don't know whether you call that a, a successful campaign or not. Since, you know, it's just a decal. Well, that decal obviously made it faster. Yeah, possibly. Well, you know, painted on flames makes a car faster. We know this. It's been proven somewhere. So that's what it was. Tag painted on flames on the engine. Exactly. Because well, look, the Red Bull <clears throat> car outperformed the Renault car consistently. Thus, the Tag engine better than the Renault engine. This yes, is basic it, maths. It wasn't possibly because the Enstone team gutted their facilities over the previous three years and gutted their staff, and no, no, totally not okay. possible. Okay, well, taking that logic a bit further, the Toro Rosso team is apparently in talks to also rebrand their Renault engine for 2017. Really. Yes. So painted on flames for Toro Rosso, too. Yeah. Now, what you need to remember is, you know, last year Toro Rosso was running the 2015 Ferrari engine. Without any upgrades. Without any upgrades whatsoever. Prior to that, they were a Renault team. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, they were a Ferrari team. Mm -hmm. But now they are once again a Renault-powered team, but maybe they're going to be Renault-powered by Nissan. Really? Not even like a t they're not talking tag? We don't know. So we don't know who's painting the flames. Correct. The, although if you think about it, okay, so Tag Heuer is a watch manufacturer. Yes. And they've done this before. Prior to Red Bull taking on Tag Heuer as a sponsor, do you remember who their watch sponsor was? Um wasn't Rolex, was it? No, it, it wasn't was Rolex. Role Rolex does, does is the, the whole, whole series. Thing. No, I don't remember. It was Casio. Oh. So maybe, you know, being the junior team now. Mm -hmm. They'll get Casio watches? Yeah. Could they get the calculator watch? Maybe the Toro Rosso, they're, they're going to badge the engines as Casios. With the little calculator watches? Yes. You know, the the other question is what's happening with Total now? Because Total was the fuel and lubricants sponsor slash supplier for Red Bull. Correct. However, they now have ExxonMobil because ExxonMobil has walked away from McLaren. McLaren has gotten BP. So what is Total's involvement going to be? Is it just going to be with um, Renault? Have they signed a new team? I don't know. I've not followed the lubricant world of F1. Maybe you should do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Renault. Yes. Renault, it, at least, and, and actually... At this point, you know, we, we talked in our last show, before we even get to that, we talked in our last show how this is about the time of year that the the annual reviews and evaluations start coming in, and, and some of the drivers are doing self-reviews, and some of the teams are just giving their annual reviews, and other teams do the 360 review as opposed to, you know, the, the normal supervisor subordinate type thing. It, it's, well, Renault has has done their at least the engine side i don't know about the team side we haven't seen that actually okay. they did they said the start of the season sucked and that ruined them okay. but renault from the engine side 
they haven't put forth their reviews so much as their goals and objectives. Ooh, it's always exciting to see what their goals are for next year. Yes. For this coming year. Well, actually, they're, they're shooting for 2018. They're, they're going a little long-term because of, you know, engine development time and all of that. They, they've learned a lot from this past season. So going forward, they, they built their goals and objectives on it. And based on that, what their goals and objectives are for by the end of 2018, they want their engine to match the best Formula One engine by the end of the year. Okay. But since there's a rule change, we don't actually know what the best but Formula the, One is. The rule change doesn't involve the engines. Keep that in mind this year. Oh, okay. This isn't an engine-based rule change. The engines stay the same. This is all aero and chassis design. Okay. So, so, so we're looking to be a Mercedes-level engine by the end of 2018. Yes. Good luck with that. I'm, I'm just, I'm putting it, it although it's good to have goals. It, it's good to have goals, but if you think about it, it, it's very different from what Renault has done in the past. Okay. Z stay with me here. If you remember the title-winning Red Bulls. Yes. The Red Bulls were never the even went with the 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 V8 engines. The Red Bulls were never the fastest cars on the grid. No. And the Renault engines that powered them were not the most powerful cars or powerful engines on the grid. It was the aerodynamics of the car that gave them the speed. They were faster in the corners, especially the low speed corners than everybody else. Correct. And that gave them the advantage. Renault never designed and never intended to design the most powerful engine. They designed an engine that worked best with Red Bull's design philosophy. Okay. So in that case, them turning around and targeting Mercedes in terms of engine power, that's a different strategy for them. It is a different strategy for them. But if you combine most powerful engine on the grid with the best aero on the grid in Adrian Newey, you could have something pretty dangerous. Exactly. If that actually happens. But then again, they don't even need to go that far. If you look at last year's performance, mm -hmm. where the engine started to pick up and we saw Red Bull, I mean, they won races again right. this year. You know, maybe some incremental moves, some good calls with Arrow, and the Red Bull could be right up there again. Well, there's definitely that possibility, but do not discount the fact that everybody is evolving. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and in terms of arrow this year, this is a blank slate, right? So we'll see who gets it right and who gets it wrong in arrow. But knowing, you know, Red Bull does tend to have an advantage in the arrow world. However, don't dismiss the the factor of what the tag Hoyer flame count adds to their engine <laughs> because you're only talking about the red bull engine keep in mind you still have to figure out what's going on with the renault team itself they can have the best engine possible but if they're still not putting that package together team banana is not going very far you know i think a lot of people are, aren't expecting much from renault in 2017 either and they think that it's at least 2018 to 2019 before there is enough of an infrastructure and enough of a team and enough of the design and development work and cash in place that that team moves out of the mid-pack. It would be nice to see them move up. But, I mean, I hurt for them. They, they're watching their engine winning races, and they can't get out of Q1. Yeah. I mean, that's an issue. So, additional, this time we have an actual personnel evaluation Ooh. the folks over at ferrari oh they have handed out their their reviews um they, they did specifically for sebastian vettel I and mean, we did hear from from kimmy's review i wasn't as impressed but but sebastian well, i'm sure however, kimmy's was not very wordy no it wasn't uh but this review came both from Maurizio arriva bene and sergio marchioni Ooh. So, you know, all the way up, this this is a full-level, fully vetted review here for Sebastian. And yet they're not particularly happy. He didn't get straight fives? 
Well, Seb was told that he must, quote, earn his place at Ferrari beyond next year by Maurizio Arrivabene. And this was while speaking to Italian media at Ferrari's annual pre-Christmas briefing. Um, in addition, Sergio Marchionne said that both of Ferrari's current race drivers were under scrutiny. Now, Marchionne is quoted by saying, uh, quoted by Republica as saying, as for our racing drivers, it's a work in progress. I admit we are looking around us for the future by carefully analyzing the other situations. That doesn't mean we don't have confidence in our drivers, but it's fair to say they are under scrutiny. I'm happy with Raikkonen's season. He will race again in 2017, but what about after that? Does he want to retire or carry on? With Vettel, it doesn't make sense to talk about renewal now. We must first understand if he feels comfortable with us in 2017. We must give him a winning car. Otherwise, talking about the future is useless. He wants to win with us. We know that. Can we guarantee that for him? In exchange, we must drive with composure. Excuse me. In exchange, he must drive with composure. He be more calm and less agitated. He must think about winning on the track and beat the other cars, not about getting into personal feuds. Interesting. So, yeah, I, I don't think that was particularly glowing reviews from the boss for either of them. No, but, you know, calm down seems to be exactly what they're telling him to do. Possibly less cussing on the radios. Yeah. Now, also some, some goals and objectives from Ferrari overall from Sergio Marchionne. Um, and that is he reiterated his desire for Alfa Romeo to return to F1 in the future. He believes that the famous uh, Italian marquee could become a breeding ground for young Italian drivers. He wants Alfa Romeo more than any other customer team to offer them that space. He says there is room for an Alfa Romeo return, possibly as collaboration with Ferrari. He says not now, though, because Alfa must first make money through the sales of the Giulia and the Stelvio road cars. Interesting. I mean, it makes sense that they want to support their Italian roots. Yeah. Although, if you're Haas, you got to be wondering what that means for your future partnership with them. True. But I always kind of hoped that Haas was looking at their partnership with Ferrari as a gateway drug, not a um, long-term, forever drug. Yeah, well, yes and no. Because if that... Okay, if, if Alfa Romeo comes back, you have to assume that they bring Alfa Romeo on in the same kind of model that Haas came on to. Knowing that Haas is heavily reliant on Ferrari right now, mm -hmm. you got to assume that they're not going to be able to get that level of support in the future. Correct. Are they going to be able to build enough experience, infrastructure, design, development, and so on and so on and so on how to far, survive once Ferrari pulls that that away from them. How far, how fast? Yeah. Well, I mean, my hope would be that the Haas, that Gene Haas is really looking at how far, how fast can he do? Because I think it was never in his plan to be solely dependent on Ferrari for ever and ever. We'll see. I hope. I mean, at some point, yeah, they got to break off a bit. But you you look at how Ferrari kind of dumped Sauber like a, you know. Okay. Um, wouldn't you? Fair enough. It's Munisha. Fair enough. I mean, I would have dumped Sauber like before. <laughs> before Ferrari dumped Sauber. But. Okay. Well. We have a 360-degree review from Fernando Alonso. Ooh, this should be interesting. Fernando gave his review up to management of the current McLaren Honda team. The current one. Now, is this the 2016 team or the future 2017 the team? The 2016 team. This is so this previous year. So this includes the button piece. Yes. Okay. But his focus was on the team itself. He believes 
that the current McLaren Honda team is the best outfit he has worked with across his 15-year career in Formula One. Wow, I wonder what he bases that on. He says, the level of knowledge and detail that he found here is probably the best. The analysis, the work in the factory, the philosophy of designing a car is completely different to what I was used to. The driver input and driver implications are much greater here, so we're just missing a competitive car. Which I would have thought that all of those other pieces would have given him a competitive car if the team was actually working as well as Fernando seems to think it is. But I guess Fernando hasn't made that connection. Well, you know, in my vast years of experience, I have found that you can have very cohesive and fabulous teams, but that they spend all their time having coffee together and bonding and not actually doing any work. Perhaps (laughs) that's what they are suffering from. Now, he compares this to Ferrari. He said that he had a fantastic five years at Ferrari. He says, I think if I was racing for Ferrari in these two years, I probably would be in a situation now where I would be very frustrated, very sad, sixth instead of second. At least when I was there, I was fighting for the championship until the last race. Now it seems they are fifth and sixth behind even Red Bull, so the situation could be worse. I had this fantastic feeling and this big love for Ferrari, but it was the right time to say bye-bye because I wanted to stop on a high. Okay, whoa, wait. Let's, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's go through that sentence and translate that into what he actually said. He said that if he was competing with, when he competed on at Ferrari, he was fighting for first and second place. And he was. And he was. He was. That's that's accurate. Up until 2013, he and was. now, McLaren, what did they finish at again? Like seventh? Sixth, I believe. Sixth. And what did he finish at? Yeah. In the sixth, eighth range, yeah. maybe? Okay. So... He's not competing for second place anymore. But Ferrari has also slipped. So if he was still at Ferrari, he so Ferrari was the third place, second place team this year. Third place team. Third. Third place team this year. And I believe um, Sebastian was fifth. Yeah, Ricardo was further up than... Give me a second to pull the final standings. So I'm not just pulling them. Ricardo was fifth. Vettel was third. Verstappen fourth. And Alonso. Oh, I'm was sorry. No, that's that's Abu Dhabi. Um, Ricardo was third. Vettel was fourth. Verstappen was fifth in the championship. Alonso was tenth. <laughs> Okay, so let's review. Vettel was fourth, Ferrari. Kimi was sixth in the Ferrari. And Alonso fought for tenth. Yeah, he's in such a better place than he was if he would have still been at Ferrari. (laughs) He's so much better off, you know, being those almost full five full places further back in the grid. Well, you know... When you have folks like Eric Boulier walking around the team and going that, you know, we would have won races in 2016 if we had had the best engine. If it wasn't for those meddling kids, (laughs) I would have gotten away with it. But when management keeps saying this, whether it's based in any kind of reality or not, of course Fernando's going to turn around, and, and the team is going to say, well, we're just doing awesome. Don't look at the results. We're just doing awesome. I mean, how do you ignore the actual results that I, I mean, I'm looking at here? Fernando Alonso earned 54 championship points mm-hmm. in 2016. 54. Well, he claim, Eric Boulier 
claims that the reason why that they believe that if the engine was better, they would have won races, he said, by looking at the GPS traces of corner speeds, that's what it's telling them. Well, they he, know they don't have they they have an engine problem. They know that they need to fix that. He says there's room for development everywhere with Honda. It take it also drives your chassis development. Everything is connected. You can't make a car too draggy if you don't have enough power deployment because you lose time. We have to balance all the time. We work as one team with Honda to achieve what we want. He says that Honda has made progress and reduced the deficit to its rivals, but conceded it will take time to catch up completely. Now, he says this, and then goes on to say that, well, the gap is closed. But to get where Mercedes is, you can't just copy and paste. There is a way you have to go through, though. You can't do it in three months or six months, but in a few years. It took Renault time to make engine gains, and still today they are not on top of the game. They started to develop this engine six years ago. And this is why everybody said it was really kind of stupid for Honda to jump in when they did. Yeah. Just I want to put Alonzo's 54 points in perspective. Okay. Okay. We know that those 54 points was less than both Mercedes drivers, both Ferrari drivers, both Red Bull drivers. So that's well, your top end of your team. Obviously. I mean, okay. it was also worse than both of the Force, Force India drivers. But again, Force India ended up ahead of McLaren in the constructors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, makes sense. It was below one of the Williams drivers and only one point above the other Williams driver. Yeah. It was within nine points of a Toro Rosso that was driving on a 2015 engine. Well, which Toro Rosso? Carlos Sainz. Okay. That's important. Because Daniel didn't have as many races to get points. Well, no, he did, but he ended up stepping back and he had issues and issues and issues and issues. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm just tenth. He was tenth. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I I feel that his 360 review <clears throat> needs to be thrown out for stupidity. Well, it is not relevant. It, it at some point you've got to wonder is. This blind rah-rah cheerleading having any effect on the team whatsoever? No, because it's not consistent. Oh, no, it's very consistent. It's It's not not based in reality, but they they have been very consistent with the rah-rah cheerleading ever since everything went to pot when Honda came in. No, no, wait. (laughs) Jensen has been very consistent with the rah-rah cheerleading. However, Alonzo is a little more fickle. Every time he stopped on the side of the track and played with the cameras and sunned himself and had horrid things to say about where they were, and then he would turn around because somebody would grab his ear and say, no, 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 you can't say that. And he'd turn around and go, this is the best team ever with a really crappy engine. No, but w- what I'm talking about is Ron Dennis and Eric Boulier Oh, they get drunk the cooler. Who who have been continuous of we're going to challenge for championships and we're going to we're the next one that's going to be and, okay. and that at that level and, and and yes even Jensen would turn around as much as he would throw the ray of sunshine in it when he can and and laugh at it where he could. I mean, we've got the recordings we played them before of Jensen being down on a car and going, yeah, we just. We don't understand this car. We don't know why it's not working, and we don't know what the deal is. We've heard that from Jensen. And, and yes, Fernando, outside of his outbursts on the radio, that, that GP2 engine and all of that, he then turns around and goes, oh, this is just awesome, and I'm going to finish my career at McLaren, and this is great, and, you know. Yes. That, that, that's kind of my point, is, is that there has been a level of delusion at McLaren being pushed by management for years now. I cannot believe that you are going to sit there with a straight face and quote 
Ron Dennis and be surprised at the level of delusion? I'm not, but it's my point of that level of delusion that they have been putting out, what kind of impact it has on the team anymore. I think at this point, is it is it going to deaf ears and there there is the team just going, yeah, whatever already. We've had enough of this. Let's just you know put our heads down and move on and and ignore the crazy old man who's not here anymore. Or you've got to be at that point. Are people actually still buying that at the team? That's you, that's my point. You have to be at that point where you put your head down and your elbows out and say. Uh, whatever old man and move on because you can only progress the car so far so fast and that's the reality and they all know I mean everybody knows that Ron was smoking a special set of of um I, you know I'm not sure it's a matter of progressing the car so fast so far so fast I mean Red Bull moved moved up from the bottom team to where they were relatively quickly. I want to say it was in like three or four years. They did it pretty quick. If you can find that magic bullet, and they exist, you yeah. find that magic bullet, you end up leaping ahead. But how did Red Bull find their magic bullet? Adrian knew it. Yeah. You got to have the right person there. They scored with Adrian, and you mm-hmm. know that as well as I do. Yeah. I don't know if McLaren has truly got the right people in the right places to even get close to a score like that. Well, right now there is bloodletting going on over there. See? Folks that have been hired by Ron Dennis that were close to Ron Dennis have been departing the company. It's unclear whether they have been departing voluntarily or involuntarily, but um, there is a bit of an exodus going on over at McLaren right now. I wouldn't be surprised. So moving on to Red Bull. Okay. Since we talked about them a little bit, we, we have a, a little bit of a review coming from Christian Horner. Oh. Um, his key thing is, is he says that Daniel Ricciardo has acted like an older brother to Max Verstappen this season. Aw, they're a family. Um, now, he has also said that he felt that Max's arrival at the team um, caused or, or made – Daniel to raise his own level of performance and that he spurred him on. But uh, what he has said is that the the most important thing is there is respect. We don't ask drivers to go out to dinner with each other, but ask that they respect each other and respect the team. The two have done exactly that, and the fact that their relationship goes beyond that is only a benefit to us. Daniel, in many ways, has almost been like an older brother to Max. Their feedback is very similar. The demands from their car are very similar. Very often when you're listening in, in qualifying or the race, the comments about the car are almost identical. So the designers and R&D guys, it's a great scenario to have both drivers chasing the same thing. Well, yes. But, okay, I got a question for you. Okay. Dollar bet. Who's going to get the world championship first? I don't know. And the reason why I don't know is because I think the next world champion that isn't a Lewis Hamilton isn't going to be doing it in a Red Bull. Really? Yeah. What's your prediction there? I don't know. But I don't think it's Red Bull that's going to be the team after Mercedes to win. And I think for whether it's Max or Daniel to win, and I've got to move this because they've got that picture from Mexico that just freaky. Um, <laughs> but but I think for Daniel or Max to actually win the championship, not necessarily win races, I think they will continue to win races and nip at the heels of Mercedes, but I don't think Red Bull's there yet, and I think the next champion isn't that is not a Mercedes driver is not... Nece- I, I don't think it's going to come from Red Bull yet. Huh. I could be wrong there, but I just I, I have a feeling. No, I don't think it's it's going to be a McLaren driver. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering whether you think it's going to be a Ferrari or if it's going to be something else. I I I'm kind of thinking it may be Ferrari, 
but with Ferrari being in the disarray that it currently is in, I don't know. Interesting. However, one of the big drivers of one of the teams, as was rumored, has departed. Pat Simmons, the technical, well, he was the technical director at Williams, has departed the team. Ooh, where has he gone? Um, he's gone. Gone. Gardening leave. Uh, I don't know if it's gardening leave. It's just he has departed the team. Wow. I'll miss Pat. I liked his uh, comments about everybody else. Well, that that's the thing is Pat was never one to shy away from that microphone that was shoved in his face. No. So... <laughs> So there are still strong rumors, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that Patty Lowe is headed toward that role because his contract was up at Mercedes at the end of 2016. Um, we don't have any confirmation that he has either left Mercedes or been hired by Williams. Mm. We just know that Pat has departed Williams. Interesting. Yeah. Speaking of of Williams and Moon, well, before we even get to this story when it comes to Williams, we thought Felipe Massa was gone. Mm-hmm. But word is that Felipe has accepted a one-year deal to remain with Williams and not depart into retirement. Now, that would be to remain at Williams as a driver. Right. Which seems to lend itself to the rumors that Valtteri Botas is going to go take Nico Rosberg's seat at uh, Mercedes. Yes, because both Claire and Frank Williams are smart enough to know that you cannot put three into two. They are smart enough <laughs> to know this. <laughs> they can do the maths on that. And it was four into two, just to be clear. I know. That Monisha tried to do. I, I know, but we're only looking at a three into two situation right now. Right. So, but there had been increasing rumors, and there's been some question about Toto Wolf's involvement in this because Toto is part of Valtteri Bottas's management team. And Toto had initially said that he felt it was a worst case scenario to tap Valtteri for the seat. But it is looking more and more like Valtteri Bottas will be named as Nico's replacement. Um, word is, just prior to Christmas, Valtteri was at the Mercedes plant. Really? And among other things that happened while he was at the Mercedes plant uh, was that he tried out the cockpit of the 2017 Mercedes and initial planning for a potential seating position has started for him. Ooh. Oh. Now, in the weeks before Christmas, Williams did come out, and it was Claren specific who came out and said that they would not consider letting Valtteri go unless there was an alternative for an experienced driver to come in and take his place, thereby opening the door to possibly further talks with Felipe, who we knew still wanted to race in some form or another. But this could lead to a very interesting 2017 silly season. It could because it's a one-year deal with Massa, so I don't think it's a long-term mm-hmm. deal for Massa, which would open up a seat at Williams. Depending on how Williams does next year, that could be a coveted seat or not. We'll see how that goes. Well, you you got to think that if Felipe's performance is at the same level or worse than it was this past year, Williams is going to be looking for another driver come the summer break. They're going to want another body in that seat, and they're not going to regret the initial decision to replace Felipe in the first place. Correct. But, like my I mentioned, that there is a driver that might be available for the grid that's got a lot of experience and a world championship for 2018. I don't think Jensen wants the spot. Interesting. Given the the comments that we heard from Jensen at the end of the season, that at that point he realized, no, no, he really and truly is done. 
I don't think that you're going to see a return in 2018. I think he's done. Well, we will know more as we see him on the grid and they interview him. Yeah. Because one of the things that I knew Mark Webber was never coming back was when he started gaining weight. And he stopped looking like a skeleton. Yes, but he was still driving. He was, he was still driving. driving WEC. He's now retired from WEC as well, so we shall see. Mm-hmm. But when he stopped looking like a real skeleton, I was like, he's yeah. never coming back to Formula One. <laughs> but, I mean, that's part of the problem. And I don't know how tall Jensen is, but Mark was not a short man. Um, and weight is such an issue. It's, I mean, it's yeah. one of the things that holds Hulkenberg back. He'd probably do better in one of the other series where weight's not quite as big a concern. He's six feet tall. Yeah. I mean, I think Lewis is, like, not that much taller than me. He's not a tall guy, from from my understanding, from what we have seen, at least. Yeah. I think he might be, like, 5'6". But we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on I this and Masa's see what happens. I know Masa's not tall. No, Masa is not tall. He's a little man. Yeah. Which, you know, you need to—we got the request from Phil. You need to reach out to Williams. <laughs> you have to do it before, the, especially if they announce that they are keeping Felipe on. You need to reach out to Williams. <laughs> More things in terms of masses. Yes. I still say that that was their best uh, stat ever of the amount of chocolate eaten in weights of masses. I don't argue that. That's why. <laughs> that is why we are continuing to get requests for more stats in the weight of masses. <laughs> I will assuredly, before the week is over, send a special personal note to Claire to suggest that we get more stats and weights of muscles. I think we would all settle for you sending a, a, a note over to the PR team at, at Williams as opposed to Claire. I will find somebody to send that request to. Okay. And our last bit of Williams news, although it's more about an ex-Williams driver, but still ties into the whole Toto Wolf con- uh, connection here. Six degrees of Toto Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's six degrees of Toto Wolf. Right, but we may be we down are to like two. talking about his wife, right? Yes, Susie Wolf um, at the annual Queen's New Year's Honors was named an MBE for her work promoting women in sport. Oh, Dare to be different. Yes, her Dare to be different initiative, and I, I, I'm assuming it's more than just one year's worth of of actions that get you recognized for such an award. Um, so she's Scottish, mm-hmm. which means Toto is not eligible to get an MBE. Right. But uh, yeah, she she was uh, na- she received an MBE for her services to women in sport. Does that make her a lady now? I don't know if an MBE does that. MBE, by the way, stands for Member of the British Empire. Oh. Then she may not be a lady now. Yeah. I think if it's an OBE, she might. OBE. Yeah. That gets you the sir. Which in that case might make her Lady Susie. Because I don't think that you call them... It, it, she wouldn't become Sir Susie. No, that would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, unlike like Sir Jackie. Correct. Hmm. So you can go Wikipedia that later. We'll have to Wikipedia. What, what would a female OBE be called? And our last story, which is the clear sign... The 2016 is behind us, and the 2016 season is over, and we can look forward to 2017. The first team so far this year has announced when they're going to release and debut their 2017 campaign car. Oh, you mean when they're going to make all of the drivers sit on their tires? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well— what they have said, the, it, Ferrari has announced that they will be holding a uh, media event and will run the new car for the first time in Fiorano on February 24th. But they will actually be running the car. So I don't know how much sitting on it. I'm, I'm sure there's there's going to be the traditional oddball sitting on the tire picture. 
but they are actually going to bring the car to the track. Um, it'll be on the track for three days ahead of the start of winter testing in Barcelona. They'll be doing um, two filming days. And there's some other one other loophole that allows them to do some basic running of the car, but it doesn't count as actual testing. Got it. So? Right now, the car is known as Project 668. We don't have the final word on what the name for their 2017 car will be. And very importantly, what Sebastian names them. I th- yeah, I was going to say, that that's really the one that I think anybody wants to know about. They don't really care about whether it's the SF19-87.2183 or whatever the hell Ferrari wants to call it. No. No. He, he needs, we need to know what Sebastian calls it. And unfortunately, Seb's not on like social media, so we can't get that info from him. We have to roll out. Maybe, maybe that's a question to pose to David Cothard or Mark Weber. Okay. I'll have to reach out to them. Yes. You do that. I'll find somebody at Williams to give us more stats and weights of Massa. Um, I mean, I will accept weights of any driver if Massa, you know, if the whole idea of Massa coming back does change or something like that. I'll accept weights of any driver. But weights of drivers is very, very cool. But weights in Massa's was best. We'll have to reach out to them and see what we can get. And on that note, we'll remind you, you can find us over on Facebook. Leave us uh, comments on the show. What, what kind of statistics we should push a team to see if they will give us this year? Yes. You know, we've, we're working on weights of Maso. We don't want weights of Alonzo's. No, no. But if there's some other statistic that, that we should see if we can get from the teams and convince their press officers to give us, let us know. We'll see what we can do. Our guess is they're going to ignore us, but it can't hurt to ask. Hey, <laughs> you never know. Um, and on that note, I think we should call it a show. And Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) Okay. Are they all gone? Uh, Is is everybody gone? (laughs) Huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. (laughs) A little break? Okay.